Welcome to season two of Best in SaaS, where we talk through the patterns and playbooks in the revenue sprint to 20 million and beyond with the industry's most accomplished executives, entrepreneurs, and investors. Despite the world melting around us, we survived season one with only a few scratches and a couple of bathroom incidents from our resident Best in SaaS puppy mascot, Stuart. Wash your hands and don your favorite face mask because here comes season two. Howdy, everyone. Welcome back to another episode. I am thrilled, per usual, for you to listen in on this conversation. But before we get into it, if you're a regular listener and you enjoy the discussions, do me a favor and let us know by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. It helps other folks find the show and it helps Apple realize they should feature us on New and Noteworthy. So that would be awesome. With that, enough of my blabbing. Let's get on to the episode. Okay, so today we have Walter Roth, and I'm really excited for this conversation because it's going to be a bit different than our normal conversations. Uh, Walter helps founders and founding teams uh, with how to approach sales from an engineering mindset using first principles. So Walter, stoked that we're about to have this conversation. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So it was a mouthful, right? Uh, Founders and founding teams, engineering mindset, first principles. We've got a lot of words in there that we need to unpack. So where should we begin? Where where does it where does your story begin with this? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, well, I well I dropped out of college a semester short, um, getting my industrial engineering degree. So I've always been engineering, my, always had an engineering mindset. Um, and I did a startup. I raised about nine point eight million dollars across three rounds of financing, and um, it eventually failed. But I I learned a lot. Went back to college, um, finished. And basically just been an entrepreneur ever since then. Spent time at a venture fund, being an entrepreneur in residence as well. Um, and when I was like 25, I had experience being a CEO, but nothing else. Um, my mentor at the time, Barry Weinman from a, a venture fund, um, told me, you know, hey, if, if you're not going to be a CEO right now, you should go get your sales stripes. And so I went to go get my sales stripes at Oracle. And I started at the bottom of the barrel in the lead generation, and I learned sales there. And I, and I, I sucked it all up, got great training, and then I went to a startup to be the VP of business development. And when I was there, I met um, a guy who had been an engineer, and he found out that the sales guys made five times more than him, <laughs> and he was offended. And so he decided that he wanted to become um, a salesperson. And so he became a sales engineer to watch all the best salespeople at Oracle um, to see how they sold. And he backwards engineered the first principles of sales. And then he became a monster, you know, deal salesman and created um, a repeatable process to create repeatable sales processes using first principles. And so he taught me that. And ever since then, I've always applied it to whatever startup I was. Whenever we'd run out of money, I would go out and get an enterprise deal. And... Um, Whenever um, people asked to get mentored, I'd mentor them on like fundraising as well as on um, doing their first sales. And a couple of times, um, they ended up raising a bunch of money, starting a company, and then selling. So um, after spending about 10 years doing startups um, and investing all my money in each of the startups, um, and none of them were a big success... I looked at my background and said, what, what's been the biggest uh, creation of value in the smallest amount of time? And that has been in 
um, coaching and mentoring other founders in um, starting sales based on the first principles that I learned from Steve Brown, uh, my sales mentor, that you know, former engineer turned sales pro. Uh, pro. Um, and so that's, that's basically how I got to where I'm today, to where I mostly focus on helping founders and founding teams um, apply the first principles to figure out their repeatable sales process. So let, explain this to me. Like, what, what do you typically see when you come into these founding teams? What is the pattern or, or the thing that you almost, without you know, knowing it, but you can guess like, ah, oh, this is what I'm going to walk into. These are the assumptions, the processes, the kind of things that I'm going to have to undo. And then what is, you know, let's start there and then let's go into what you try to replace those with. Yeah. Hmm. So typically you have really smart founders and founding teams and a lot of them don't have experience doing sales or they don't have experience doing sales for a startup. And they're typically making all the same mistakes. They're wasting a huge amount of time. When you ask them about their deals, they have a lot of stories. <laughs> and so the first thing I do is try to teach them the first principles and not talk a lot uh, about details of deals, but really get to what are the first principles? Is there alignment with this deal? Is it even worth your time? And if it is, what is the next best steps to take with each of your deals? So for those of us who don't know what you mean by first principles in this context, can you enlighten us? Sure. So, you know, first principles is taking big complex problems and sales is usually a big complex uh, problem. And you're breaking it down, getting away from all the assumptions and all the analogies of, of the problem space and getting it down to the, the, the ground truth. What do you know that's true? Um, and then from there, really defining what is, what, what is the root problems you're trying to solve? And then work your way up to novel solutions based upon those truths. And so in, in deals, um, there's, there's kind of like the first principles. So at a high level, there's like, um, don't waste time. So, you know, is this deal worth your time? And the second one is, you know, are you ending specific suffering? Are you aligned? Right. Um, so it's not about pitching. It's about searching for people that have the specific suffering that you have. And then the last part is like, is it true? Right. Is what they're saying to you true? Is there a deeper truth? You know, or are you even are you even um, lying to yourself? And so those are kind of the first principles. And then how you apply them are kind of like 10 steps. Okay. And that's, and that's one of the things I go through with people. So I feel like my mushrooms are starting to kick in right about now. This is very like, uh, I, don't, I don't think I've ever heard sales discussed about in this light before, but I, I like where this trip is going. <laughs> so how, I mean, how, now I'm curious about you personally, like how did you come around to, you mentioned you had this mentor. Is, is all of this just a line of kind of engineering thinking that uh, has kind of this spin to it or enlighten me. Yeah, sure. So um, let me just think for a moment. What I, <laughs> so what I try to do is focus on what is someone's, you know, 
biggest, what's the biggest suffering they're in that they're aware of? And then as you start to end it, you get to the root causes of their suffering, <laughs> right? Um, and that's basically what you train them to do with the people they're trying to sell to. And so um, basically, when I work with people, the first part of working with them is how do they become more intentional with sales? And so that's what applying an engineering mindset to sales. Um, but then the second part about it is how do you actually care for the people that you're selling to that you're trying to you you in the deepest part of your heart want to end their suffering and if they're not suffering in a way that you uniquely end how can you then become truthful with yourself and to them that there is an alignment and you tell them that you know it's not worth their time or your time to continue to be in sales discussions and so where it starts off with an engineering mindset it then goes into compassion and then it goes into truth, starting with your own personal truth, <laughs> you know, the, the fear, the greed that's involved in sales, as well as their personal truth. Like what truly is their suffering and is there alignment for you to end their suffering? You know, and is that suffering not just the person who you're selling to, but their entire organization? And do they have the structure to actually end their own suffering with your help? Right. Otherwise, you're wasting your time. You're wasting their time. And so the work that's done in sales starts off very kind of mechanical, but then it gets into a lot of, you know, personal, um, it gets kind of into inner, inner work. So to ask a sales e question, how do you begin to qualify what their suffering really is? Like, how do you peel back the onion to understand that you're, to get past the jargon, to get past all of that, to understand truly what their suffering is so that you can begin to figure out whether or not there is alignment and truth there. Awesome. Awesome. That's a super good question. So at a high level, when you walk into a deal, usually they're like, dance, monkey, dance. What's, show me the demo, show me the pricing. I'll tell you what I want to do or not. Right. And so the first thing to do is to step out and have the mindset of, I'm here to see if it even makes sense to spend any time together. Right. I want to make sure that, that, what your needs are, are aligned with what we do. And so basically what you do is you search for the three W's. This is from Steve Brown. The three W's is why buy anything, why buy us, and why buy now? He created this like, I don't know, 20 years ago. And basically that comes from, um, you know, he looked at like what makes a good salesperson. And the best salespeople are the ones that spent all their time on the, on the deals that were going to close and very little in time on the deals that weren't going to close. And so he's like, great. And so he's like, okay, so how do you figure out if a deal is not going to close? And he's like, well, you got to be selling something of value um, first off. And second of off, you need to have the answers to these three questions. And so why buy anything basically is, you know, what is so painful that someone's talking to the enterprise sales rep? And that they're actually going to go through all the hurdles that's going to come up um, and actually change what they're doing, right? And so that's like really getting into like, why would you do anything? And to test that, you ask a flip question, which is, what happens if you don't do anything? And I got to tell you, I, I talk to a lot of founders and it's like, you, you go in there and you say, why would they buy anything? And at best, people give you like a feature list. And you're like, no, that's a feature list. That's not suffering. And so then they go, oh, well, they want to make more money. You're like, okay, well, that's, that's, that's some suffering, but it's only surface level. And you got to dig even deeper. Like what happens if they don't make money? Like 
how much more money do they have to make to the to where um, it's worth them actually doing something, right? Um, and so then you go to uh, the next question of the three: Why buy us? Because oftentimes there is enough suffering to have the activation energy to change, but there isn't the alignment with what you do. And so um, to get to the bottom of why buy us, you ask the flip question. What happens if you try to do this in-house or what happens if you do this with someone else, not us? And I got to tell you that everyone has an answer for, you know, why buy us? And then the moment that you ask them the flip question, all their answers go out the window. <laughs> it exposes, you know, like that. The third question is, why buy now? And again, um, I always have to explain why buy now isn't like why buy today. It's more about two things. One is, why buy within a meaningful amount of time? What's meaningful? Well, if, you, if you're a rep, you might need them to buy by the end of the quarter. Or if you're a founder, you might have to have you know, a certain number of deals closed to, to get your next round next year, right? Um, the second why buy now um, element is, what happens if the timeline slides? Because so many times, timelines slide. And so what you want to do is try to find some reason, like if you're selling to you know, e-commerce, and you know you, you have a, a deal that, that needs to be done by a certain date so that they can then have it available for Black Friday. And if you miss Black Friday by a week, it doesn't matter, right? I mean, it, or it matters huge, right? That's where all the profits come from. Um, that's a good why buy now. And the flip question is just what happens if the timeline slides, right? And so those are the answers. And you'd be surprised that smart people have a really hard time coming up with the answers. And they have a hard time getting down to the, the root of the answers. And not just for the business, but like each person involved. You know, so like someone's trying to, to get a, um, a promotion into the management team. And this is going to show them leadership, right? And so it goes really deep. Um, and so, so, yeah, those are the three W's. That's the, you know, why by anything, why by us, why by now? That's like the root of suffering. And then every, and that's actually step two of the 10 steps. And then every step after that is basically just reiterating the three W's. You know, the next step is with the champion. The next step is with the executive sponsor. It's always important to know that those oftentimes have different three W's. And then you use the three W's of everyone involved to get through, you know, all the other steps like getting um, price negotiations, getting through terms of service and such, getting signed, and then getting a success story. Wow. So I, 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 I love the way that you've broken this down. Um, I'm curious if you could, I think it's always easier to see how this works when you have kind of real life examples. And I know you do a ton of working with these founders and founding teams. So are there any fun examples you could give of like radical state change? You know, you came in, it was like this. And some of the fun stories of working through these deals with the founders and founding teams, um, as they went along the path and maybe even highlight some of the challenges that you typically see like points of friction where it's especially hard to adopt these specific pieces of it at first, but then when they have some sort of aha moment, it, it just flows. Yeah. Um, well, it's important to note that if, if anyone's reading this that wants to apply the first principles, if they go to my website, they can download Google Docs that I've created that help you without my help to apply them. And then when I have, um, you know, if, if you do engage with me, then I do walk you through them. It just accelerates the speed in which 
um, you can learn them. Um, but the, the important thing to note, and, and that's it's momentsales.com, right? Yeah, it's momentsales.com. And there's a button that says apply for a pilot or download the free templates. Nice. And the reason why I say this is because the kind of the fun moment is when I'm leading reps through deals or founders through deals, um, you know, the, the, the teams that are the smartest that are most aligned with the market that are doing the right things already. As I go through this with them, um, I will walk into a room when, when I don't know anything about the product or the market. And by bringing them through this, it's funny, they kind of like look shocked at me. And they're like, how do you know so much about what we do? And <laughs> it, it's, <laughs> it's that because this is first principles, I can get to the absolute like value as well as absolute like misalignments that they have. And what's funny is when, when I'm working with reps or founders that are making tons of assumptions that aren't doing the kinds of things you need to do in sales, and they're too attached. At some point, the, the meeting gets halted and they're like, hold on a second. What do you know about our industry? Like, what do you know about, you know, selling to healthcare? <laughs> and what's funny is huh. that's the moment I realized they don't know. <laughs> you know, they're, they're flying in the dark. And I've, and I've done this <laughs> enough, enough times. So that's when you start to move from the process because they're resisting the process. And that's when you start to move into, okay, let's look at what's happening right now. You know, like, what are you feeling in your body, right? Like, like what, what, what are you holding on to be true that might not be true, right? That if you let go of this, what, what's, what's a possible new insight or new um, next step that you could take that would totally unblock this deal? And I just step back. And you can just watch all of a sudden it almost becomes like a coaching slash therapy session. <laughs> it's amazing how, how quickly helping earlier stage companies can turn into a therapy session <laughs> right? in a good way. But yeah. Yeah. And so and, go ahead. No, go ahead. And, and so it becomes a point where, you know, like we were talking about, you know, it starts with kind of an engineering mindset with first principles of sales. It then gets into like, are you truly committed to end suffering and not just believe your own BS, right? Your own stories. But then it becomes like oftentimes founders, their biggest obstacle, as well as smart reps that aren't quite methodical. You know, they're like, I call them singers and dancers, right? Um, they, they don't know what they're doing and why they're doing it. They just do a bunch of stuff that works, <laughs> which is hard when you're trying to sell something new. And you're trying to then replicate the success that you've had with more reps, um, that it becomes really um, a situation where you're trying to figure out how can you unattach to outcome? How can you see things as they are and more clearly, right? How can you be fully present, you know, when you're talking to people that you're selling to and be so honest with yourself that you can start to disarm the person you're talking to? And I'm not talking about like super soft skills that if you don't have them, you're screwed. I'm talking about like, I've okay, so here's a story. You asked for a story. You know, there is a, a founder who um, was, was selling to um, executives at like Tesla. <laughs> and he, he, he gets into a, um, a meeting where all of a sudden he realizes that it's the wrong team. 
and um, you know, the, the meeting's going to get over and it's going to be a waste of time. And it's really hard to get meetings with the right people at Tesla, you know, and this was really important. And so what I taught him was he started freaking out. He started getting really upset with himself and a lot of fear was coming up. And so I, I, I had trained him to be like, okay, you know, tune into oneself in the meeting. You know, what am I feeling? Fear. What am I fearing? You know, that these are the wrong people and this is a waste of time. And so I've told them, like, t- get in touch with yourself and then just share it with them. <laughs> and so he stopped the meeting. He's like, hey, guys, I, I just really I enjoy talking to you guys. But, like, I'm just really afraid right now that we're, we're talking about this. But you guys, you know, are the wrong team. And, you're, and you know, we're making decisions for people that, that aren't here and that, that might not lead to a good place. What do we do? And there's this big pause. And, <laughs> and the guys are like, we could call them. And so in this meeting, they literally <laughs> call these other people to get on the phone. And then they were able to actually have the real meeting that needed to happen. And the next steps were much more firm. And, um, you know, afterwards, the CEO was, was, was um, catching, me up at, uh, catching me up on this on the Village Pub in Woodside. And he's just going, his mind was blown. And this guy is like super, super techie, right? Like your, your technical, co- you know, technical founder. And he just had this huge smile and he's like, oh my gosh, all you got to do is like pause to see what you're feeling and then tell them. And then they solve your problems for you. And so he <laughs> does that in every meeting mechanically, but the result is almost like a Renee Brown. I think that's the right word, you know, word. Forget a yeah, Renee. Renee Brown. Yeah. You know, how to be oh, vulnerable. Daring, yeah. What's that? I think it's called Daring Greatly, right? Yeah, Daring Greatly. She's got a great TED Talk. She's got a great Net, Net, uh, Netflix episode. Um, but basically, he's, it's like a masterclass to being vulnerable in a way that is coherent, in a way that's aligned with sales, in a way that disarms other people, and you get your outcome. And so he now just laughs every meeting he does it, and he just kind of giggles. It's like, this is like unfair. And it's like, yeah, dude, it's like being an integrated human, you know? <laughs> um, so that's probably the most oh, fun is coming, coming with first principles and, and templates. And then it leads you to what's the biggest obstacle. And usually it's oneself. I love that. So, Walter, uh, normally I like to ask what, you know, what people do for fun. But I happen to know that you are recording this with me while in a cabin in the woods. So... I feel like I know a little bit about what you do for fun, but what, what helps you unwind when you're not working with, uh, working with founders? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. You know, I don't, this is, this is the, you know, I'm a big fan of inner work and that includes uh, meditation. So to unwind and to kind of feel more present in my life, I meditate a lot. Um, Different, different types, some based on neuroscience, some, some based on things I learned from gurus that I met in India, <laughs> Germany. Um, I'm a big proponent of therapy. I, I read a lot of books on kind of like the psychology, neuroscience. Um, I'm kind of big into indigenous kind of, you know, journeys and, you know, medicine journeys and, and you know, anything that basically gets down to, the, to knowing oneself better um, to be awaken my life, you know, to actually be present and enjoy it, the ups and the downs. Um, and I, and I, I love it so much. It, it really helps me feel more fulfilled. And the irony 
is that it makes me feel like I have much sharper knives when I go into sales and, you know, tra- uh, coach people on how to, how to sharpen their knives as well. Amazing. Well, I've really enjoyed this conversation. I think that there's, uh, there's so many unique things about your approach and uh, just general demeanor that a lot of our audience will enjoy and be able to learn from. So uh, thanks again for taking the time, Walter. I really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you. It was my pleasure.